Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of Funny Blunt Truth. I'm Don, here with a very special guest today. My co-host, as usual, is Dave. Um, you in the room, Dave? Yes, I am. Hello, guys. <laughs> All right. With us today, we have uh, a guy who started with uh, YouTube covers and uh, has slowly ascended his way into general, uh, I would say, actual rock stardom. Uh, his name's Michael Lawler. Everybody, say hi to Michael. Michael, say hi to everybody. Hello, hello. What is going on? So if, if, if I have this right, just, just out of curiosity, you actually, when you started singing, did you go straight to YouTube covers of other bands that you liked? Um, can you, can you re-explain that question? When you started singing, so did you just like start singing recently? You're like, I'm going to make YouTube covers to launch a career. Or was it something like you've been singing for ages and then all of a sudden you just decided to make one after, or you know what I mean? Like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I actually started out, um, not on YouTube. I started out doing a solo project. This was probably when I was maybe 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I was really involved with golf, and my 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 real dream was to be a professional golfer. Wow! And um, it just it didn't seem like I was working out, and I started kind of getting into music myself a little bit. I know you guys are big into music too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just the inspiration from some of these bands that I've been listening to, I was like, why didn't I get into this earlier? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So basically, I, uh, you know, I started a project. I was in this little, I was on an internship in Long Island. Um, it was, uh, I was working for a golf course and I had this little crappy room in this house that they provided <laughs> for me. And that, that was when I was like, you know what? I'm going to get into music. And, mm-hmm. um, that, that's where it all started. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. Um, when Don was explaining some of your story, uh, I was like really pumped to have you on because, um, you know, it's, it's pretty inspiring to me. Uh, off air, we were talking about this, how, um, I, you know, I know I can speak for Don also. He's not a fan of the nine to five grind. And, uh, you no. know, I, I, I personally got my little dreams and stuff that I'm chasing. And, um, I was just super excited to hear your story. So, but I got a question for you, Mike. Um, was there, um, at any point where you, um, were you doubted, um, where it can go? Like, did you, I mean, cause I know you said you wanted to do something with golf. And then once you got into music, I mean, did you just feel something inside that you knew that this was your path and it was going to work? Well, um, I'm not one who really gives up easily. So I made sure to at least stick it out for, you know, a couple of years. So that, that was something I had kind of going for me. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there, there was always doubt and mm-hmm. the music genre that I'm involved in is, you know, it's heavier music. So mm-hmm. you don't get support from the family. You don't get support from some of your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even tell, you know, half the people that I'm close to what I was even doing when I first started off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, I knew it was going to be a long grind and there was a lot of doubt, but I just, I just stuck through it. That's an, it's interesting you say that not to interrupt because we feel this a similar way about the podcast. We don't really, uh, haven't let it out to our, uh, mm-hmm. friends and, uh, coworkers either. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, sure, different. We're not making, you know, death metal podcasts, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> let's see- do it. You see, like, uh, in, in my experience, like, I, I feel like, uh, whenever you chase something big, um, there's a lot of people out there that are not like dreamers. They don't have that in them. And, you know, they'll plant negative seeds and stuff like that or, or, you know, you know, not believe in you or, so I can kind of totally understand how, how maybe you didn't want to like spread it out, Mike, until you got things going or, 
Um, cause I deal with that. Like I like writing scripts and I put myself, myself out there and contests and whatnot, whatever. And I'm still pushing. And on my end, the film industry is very hard to break into. And I know it's mm-hmm. like a, a hard uphill climb. And, uh, but I'm like you, I'm not a quitter and I'm one of those dreamer people. And, uh, like I just admire people who keep pushing, man. And when I see somebody succeed, like even if I don't know them, like I'm legitimately happy for them. You know, they broke out of that grind. And um, so anyway, so, continue on with your story or whatever you got to say. Well, right back at you guys. I mean, doing what you guys are doing right now inspires myself too. I, I look a lot of places for inspiration. Um, one of my buddies actually um, just went to Sweden for a professional gaming tournament. And I thought it was one of the coolest things. And like you guys said, it's, it's something big, but most people would never imagine doing that. So, but that's that's that kind of narrow-minded thing you have to get around. I think people in the nine-to-five grind who accept everything kind of the way it is and they're okay with status quo. Uh, I think it's weird to want to achieve anything outside of that. And I, I think mean, you're constantly people like you and probably you know like us are always going to be up against the, uh, the the view of others, right? Absolutely. Uh, I'll tell you one good thing. Well, I would say about, you know, 99% of the society that, that we live in is, is like you said, you know, they've just been sucked in by society. They're just working, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Their dreams go away and they just settle for less. Mm-hmm. Um, the good thing about that is even though our, our paths are, are so hard and it's so hard to get to the top, Mm-hmm. There's a lot less competition than when you actually think. So. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah, that's a good Most point. Most people won't go as far as we're going. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's funny too. Is uh, that reminds me of a quote from Robert Rodriguez I tell to uh, to Dave a lot, and that uh, he was at a uh, at like a, I think it was a film school giving a speech, and he goes, you know, it's much easier if you just aim for the top five percent. He goes, that way you don't even have to worry about the nine, uh, the bottom 95. He's like, you just mm-hmm. shoot for the top 5% of, of quality, you know, the Spielbergs, the, the Kubricks, the, these guys. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're automatically ahead of everybody else. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I, I always think, um, you know, uh, I always think it's better to, to fail big than win small. You know what I mean? I, I always think about that. Um, cause most people, you know, they don't have the guts to take chances or they don't have like, you know, internal belief in themselves and, and like Mike said, like you, you just you can get influenced by by people and um, and like the masses, because a lot of people are comfortable with just um, working the same job for like 20 years, you know, and just retiring. And, yeah, I mean, you, you could get some nice things and get, you yeah. know, get a nice bank account and stuff. But are do you feel like fulfilled? Are you really chasing your dreams? I, I feel like uh, not to keep ranting, but I feel <laughs> I, I feel like we all. Um, at an early age or early on have something that we want to do that's probably like out there, like some kind of crazy dream. And some of us pursue it and don't give up. And some of us like just let it die. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I completely agree. Um, I do have a question though, uh, for Mike again, and that's, you, you started making, uh, YouTube covers of the bands that you like to listen to. And, um, at one point there was a band who we listened to, Dave, you probably don't, uh, the band's called North Lane and they are from Australia. Mm-hmm. And I do believe their, uh, their lead singer got some kind of vocal issues. I don't really know what the case is, but he couldn't perform anymore without being in pain. Uh, like Mike was saying, it's pretty, uh, pretty intense and it takes a lot of stamina to perform like that. Um, when that, uh, that North Lane, uh, audition came out, when they said we're taking uh, tapes now, was that something that you knew you could latch onto and potentially get a career out of? 
Um, by the time the Northland editions um, occurred, I already had been doing covers for, I want to say, maybe close to two years. So I started building my own following. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of followers by any means. I had maybe a couple thousand subscribers on YouTube. Um, but that was a big deal to myself. I mean, if there's a couple thousand people watching what I do, I, I mean, you obviously feel great about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the Northland editions occurred, I, I was I was ready for it. I was like, I'm going all in for it. So. And was that something that you figured you could use as a springboard if it didn't work out? You know, because you still got you had to have gotten huge traction from that because they basically came out and said that we like these five or 10 guys and you were one of them. It was, it was huge for me, man. Um, you know, I almost want to say I'm happy. I didn't, I didn't get the part because I don't think I was ready to take that step yet, to be honest with you. Right. Um, I mean, they're going, the, the first tour they did right after the additions were over was with Parkway drive. And they're one of my favorite bands. I can't even imagine what I would have looked like on stage um, if I got that part. <laughs> so in a way, I'm happy that I that I, I didn't get it because what it did was it gave me a lot of confidence. And it basically was a big turning point for me because now all of a sudden I had all this exposure from people and I had people messaging me and people backing me up. And mm-hmm. it, it just really gave me motivation to say, this this is not the end. This This is the turning point for me. Now I'm going to start mm-hmm. practicing for live shows. And I'm going to be prepared if something like this happens again. Now, I, I will say that uh, me and my wife actually followed you pretty closely because, uh, you know, I think everybody who was, you know, listening to the, the North Lane auditions and watching the videos, everybody had kind of picked their favorite. And it was like horse racing almost. <laughs> you know, everybody was spamming the North Lane website trying to yes, get there. They were, yeah. There was a lot of people for that uh, Aiden Cooper kid. I can't oh, yeah. remember. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his first name right, but uh yeah, I remember we watched and they they had you guys do your own interpretation of a song that never had any lyrics. It was uh it was a song on a track that was just instrumentals and kind of this lighter ethereal tone and you came out uh with the song called Moonflower and uh I just remember that was such a personal song. I mean, you were, you were damn near in tears doing that. I mean, how personal of a song was that for you just out of curiosity? Um well, the the song started off actually about Believe it or not, it was actually about some some death that occurred in my family of mm. actually two of my uncles. Mm. Um, that that was the inspiration behind it. And if you mm. listen to the song, it's actually about a female. Right. Um, as I started writing it, I started using I don't want to say inspiration, but stories mm. of my friends who have lost mothers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I said I'm going to make this song more general, so more people can can relate to it. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily just about a female that I lost in my life. It's about more people losing in general. It's about the five stages that you go through of grief, basically, Mm -hmm. is the way I wrote the lyrics. Now, see, this, not to interrupt, but this leads me to another, another great question. It's, it's, it's one of those things that I find when I listen to a lot of metalcore bands, and maybe it's because I'm getting into my thirties now and things kind of irritate me a bit more, but I find a lot, a lot of the newer bands that are out there are just coming up with very cliched lyrics. And they're, to me, they're just uh, boring and annoying. You know, how many times am I going to hear somebody say, uh, I got the weight of the world on my shoulders or, uh, (laughs) you know, insert any random cut your nose to spite your face, like any type of, uh, you know, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Desperate times call for desperate measures, things like that. And I just find it to be like when a band uses that, I instantly kind of 
a bit start to turn off. And uh, I was curious, how, how difficult is it? And maybe it's not if you're coming from a true source, but how difficult is it to keep your lyrics like pure and not cliche? You know what I mean? And honest. If you guys knew the struggles I went through writing lyrics, man. I <laughs> Oh, I understand, bro. Uh, I get writer's block with script writing. I totally get it. And and not to cut you off, Mike, I just want to go back to um, your story with the song and how you yep. linked it to your, your personal life. Uh, I think some of the best material comes from like deep down and personal experiences because like script writers do that and actors uh, sometimes they're in a scene and they, they dig deep into like personal experiences to bring like that emotion out and things just kind of like unravel and just, you know, some of the best things come from that. So, uh, that's pretty amazing, but go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. No, absolutely. No, don't worry about that. Um, you know, I, you, you can't be afraid to reach out for help from others. One of my, one of my good buddies, um, is very talented at writing poem, poetry, basically. And I wrote Moonflower and sent it to him and me and him went back and forth and he offered me better words to use. I wasn't scared to ask for help from somebody else. And that that's really important when you're trying to achieve bigger things. You got to understand there's people out there that are better than you mm-hmm. and you can't be afraid to reach out for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I, the wisdom and the, the humility to do that. That's awesome. And I do want to, I do want to recite if, if I could right now, not to be very, very uh, cheesy about it, but uh, it's the lies outside that pierce the eyes of a society that's glued to TV, this counterfeit vision of life. And uh, that's just some good shit, man. <laughs> I know? appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, was that from your, uh, that was from your new one, right? Epiphany? That or, was from, it's called Empathy. Empathy, we just re- sorry. We just released it last month. Um, those lyrics, actually two, two of the songs on, uh, the EP album we just released, um, were actually poetry taken from that friend of mine. Um, and I actually used his exact poems and turned them into lyrics. Now, empathy, I wrote on my own mm-hmm. one that you're just talking about. That's yeah. awesome. That's, you can't beat that. I think it's the same thing. I've, I've written a couple scripts. I'm not as, uh, I'm not as prolific as Dave is anymore. Like he keeps <laughs> up with it a lot more than I do. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's the thing is to, is to, find yourself not writing into the common tropes that everybody else does to try to put yourself into that limited group, that, that 1%, that 5% that's really making quality stuff. That's actually difficult to overcome. Cause if you're not careful, a lot of the times you can really fall into the, you know, just common routines that you hear all the time from lesser artists. You, you see, well, um, I, go ahead, go, Matt, ahead. go ahead. I really appreciate you uh, bringing up those lyrics because I'm sure you guys do it too. Um, I, I self critique myself. Yes. In the worst way possible. And everything I write, I just think it sucks. So I, I appreciate you guys talking about that. Yeah. Dave, did you have something to add to that? Sorry. Oh, yeah. What I was going to say with uh, with writing, um, and, and I'm I'm pretty confident it's the same way with like writing songs, like lyrics. Uh, I can't force myself to write. Like I can't just sit there and say, uh, you know, Monday, like I'm going to do – you know, a quarter of this script and get it done. I have to kind of write when I'm inspired and like when I'm feeling it. Um, if you try to force it, usually it comes out like crap. <laughs> like that, that's like in my experience. Um, absolutely. So it's just something you just feel and it can be like weeks could go by and you just not, so, something's not driving. And then one, one night you sit down and it's just, it just comes out of you. So is it, is it like that with uh, lyrics, Mike? Oh, very much. And I get, um, after the Northland editions happened, I, I had a lot of bands asking me to do features in their songs. Um, and 
the one of the I realized quickly as I started accepting all these features and telling them I'd do them that I can't really work on a timetable with writing the lyrics for them. So I started making all these bands write lyrics, send them to me, and then I will do the feature. That's how hard it is for me to write lyrics on the spot. Mm-hmm. What's a what's a feature? Sorry. Um, a feature is uh, like a guest vocal spot. Um, like a, a band will have a different artist sing like maybe 20, 30 seconds of a song. Okay, okay. So it's when you see like uh, North Lane featuring Mike Lawler, whatever the case would be. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And they would send you their lyrics for their proposed song, and then you would put the fill in somewhere where you felt happy. Exactly. Yeah, wherever they wanted, wherever the band wants you to be a guest vocal on. A lot of bands do it to add exposure for themselves. They'll ask um, larger artists to feature in their song, often paying for them to do it. And um, basically, you can put that artist's name on your song now, and it might bring you some publicity. Hmm. So it, it, I guess that would make sense in the in the pop culture world, and, it, and I guess that's a that's a thing in the uh, prog metal underground Absolutely. scene as well. Absolutely, mm. that's uh, good stuff. So, so, Mike, I got a I got a couple of questions. Um, so with with your success, um, like we had an episode recently on like fate and destiny versus like just uh, putting your nose down and just grinding hard work um, mm-hmm. to, to reach success. Um, so, in your opinion. Do you think that – I guess the first question is do you think that um, – it, is it like a fate destiny thing or is it all on your back, you know, success in your case? Um, and and the second question is did you have to work at your vocals or were you kind of born being a good singer? You know what? I actually listened to that podcast that you guys did. Um, Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, awesome. And um, – I can understand. I know you both were kind of conflicted on the idea. Was I correct? Yeah, kind I was of. kind of torn between <laughs> both. Kind of, yeah. Right. Okay. So, I mean, personally, um, I lean a little bit more towards the hard work, um, personal determination side. Mm-hmm. But I mean, who's to say that some higher power? Who knows? Who's to say that you weren't destined to do that? There's no way we can prove that you are. Or you're not. So, mm-hmm. I'm not going to disapprove that theory. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the the reason why I lean towards the hardworking aspect um, is because I feel like the human nature is just so um, unique and crazy, and there's just so many things I can do. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have to pursue music. I, there's other things that I'm very passionate about, mm-hmm. and I chose music. I feel like there's so many different things I could have done, but I feel mm-hmm. like I personally chose music. Mm-hmm. But like I said before, I mean, who am I to say that I wasn't destined to choose that? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then as far as like the, the the vocals, Mike, did you always have a good voice, or is it something that you said, "All right, I got to work on this," and you just got good? Absolutely not. Mm. <laughs> My voice was garbage. Wow, that's and, interesting. I mean, I would I was like a shower singer, like you know, that's, yeah. That's basically it, and um. When I turned 22 or 23, how old are you guys out of curiosity? <laughs> I'm an old guy. I'm 35. <laughs> I'm 32. That's, that's not bad. I'm, I'm 27 right now, so <laughs> not, not too far behind you guys. But um, when I turned 22, um, that was when my, my, my dream for music started. Mm-hmm. And this had me a little worried because, you know, you get all these bands that are to high school. They've been practicing since they're 16. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Protest so, the hero. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mean, a bunch of bands. And. Um, the, believe it or not, I mean, our music has what in quotes, what people call, it's called screaming. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
the, the screaming part, it took me a couple of years to even be able to do uh, uh, scream that was acceptable in the public's eye, believe mm. it or not. So, mm. which is amazing because listening to you now, I don't, <laughs> it's like no doubt about your skill. Uh, I appreciate that, especially in terms of screaming. Is that more on the vocals too? Is that something that you have to, uh, you know, the stamina for that to do that for a whole show? or at least just even for one song, a lot of people don't realize how difficult it is. Do you have to prepare before a show like a normal singer would, or is that going to be like extra work? It's. Um, I would definitely say it's a little extra work, and especially in my case, because I do um, our band, I do the singing and the screaming, and I often think about how amazing it would be if we had another singer in the band. So, so during a live show, I could just focus on one thing and go crazy because it's so difficult juggling back and forth. You know, I, I think actually, you know, I don't know if you know Raul Reynolds from uh, Enter Shikari, but uh, it's a band I really like. And he was saying that about a lot of his songs, about how how difficult it is because he pushes himself to run up and down the scale from singing to spoken word to screaming. You know, he's he's full exhale screaming. He's he's guttural uh, growling. And then he'll have like some I don't know what it's called, where you suck in and you scream at the same time. Yeah, Inhale screams. Yeah, yeah, inhale screams. And then he's back to singing again and how difficult that is to maintain over your life because of the amount of preparation, the stamina it takes to pull that off. I'll tell you guys, you know, I I did a show with my band, our first show in Thailand, um, last year and I wasn't really prepared for it, but, Mm. um, but I did it and I did okay. But then when I watched all the film afterwards, I was like, I can't let that happen again. So Mm -hmm. over the past year, I've been really, really focusing hard on um, practicing a live set here at Mm -hmm. my house. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, you know, the first couple months, I honestly, thought in my head there's no way i'm going to be able to do this i I started doubting maybe i can't do this like literally Mm -hmm. so i mean something to help motivate others was you know i just i just kept doing it Mm -hmm. and now i I feel so much better about it like we're we're playing a show in hong kong in a couple weeks and i'm just Mm -hmm. i'm so excited to do a a full-length show Mm -hmm. so you've gone from being timid about it or being worried to now you're confident you don't have any concern exactly that's another reason why i'm happy uh i mean not I was really sad that I didn't get the North Lane part, but looking back at it, mm-hmm. I needed a lot of practice and preparation before I was ready to to step on the stage at that level. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, they say like pressure makes diamonds, and uh, it's funny how like you know when you're forced to rise to the occasion, you just some people have it in them, man, and they just um, you know they just step up and do it. So that's pretty inspiring. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> let me uh let me ask you too. Did you have once the North Lane auditions uh kind of closed up and they'd picked their guy, um you finally got signed to uh the band and vice versa. Can you kind of go over how that happened with us? Uh absolutely. How they um, got in contact and all that jazz? Yeah, so so the reason why I started YouTube covers was because my solo project which was complete crap, by the way. But at the time, I thought it was good. I wasn't getting any exposure at all. And then I would look at artists that, um, in every music genre, that are extremely talented, like way more talented than I was at the time. And they weren't getting any exposure either. And I was like, like, how am I going to make this work? So, um, so I, I looked into YouTube and I was like, you know what, this might be an outlet for me to gain exposure. So I started doing covers and, um, I made sure I was the first person to do a cover of a new song that came out. And that mm-hmm. gave me a huge advantage because, because when you're the first person to do anything, you, 
you, you're more likely to gain more exposure or whatever, whatever it is you're doing. Um, so I, when I started doing the YouTube covers, I started advertising on my, my YouTube covers that I was looking for a band. Um, and in the, in the early on years or whatever, I uh, got some offers from some bands. They're just real small bands, but they're from all around the United States. So I was, I was extremely excited at the time. Um, but after the Northland editions hit, um, and I got a lot more exposure, I started getting offers right after that. I started getting, um, asked by bands from Europe and from all sorts of places. And it just got me so excited. I mean, these weren't any extremely big bands or anything, Mm -hmm. but they were bands that I would have easily just given up what I was doing here in the States just to join. And, um, and so why did you uh, end up going with and vice versa? Well, because I looked at all these bands that, that I was getting offers from and some of them were bands for like six, seven years and they really haven't developed or gone anywhere. So I realized one thing you have to do when you're following your dreams is, is just be smart about it. Don't, don't take opportunities that are going to hold you back from other opportunities. That's, um, a, that's a fantastic point, by the way. The Great fact advice. that you, yeah, not, not to like overinflate you, like we're, we're some big fans, but I don't think people realize how critical that is when you're, when you're trying to develop a career in entertainment and you have to pick and choose your own path mm-hmm. with something like that it would have easily been, uh, and nobody would have faulted you either. It would have easily been acceptable for you just to pick a band and say, Oh, they want me. I'm taking that. And, but you sat back and you analyzed and you said, that's not going to be for me because they've stagnated. You know, maybe when they came out, they were decent, but they never went anywhere. You know, the, maybe the band has rumors of like, uh, unprofessionalism or whatever the case is. And you said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to pick this band from, uh, from Thailand. They're from Thailand, correct? They are from Bangkok, Thailand. Mm-hmm. That's got to be real that's wild a big too, jump. right? <laughs> that is a big jump. Um, I'll tell you what, you know, and vice versa, when I joined them, they only had one song out. So I, I, I said to myself, I'm only going to join a band that's established and they've been out forever and all that stuff. But I, I looked at these guys. They had one song out. I had like 50,000 views on YouTube, which is, was huge to me. Mm-hmm. And the drummer is a, is a female Asian girl drummer who mm-hmm. is also attractive. <laughs> and who is semi-famous on YouTube. So there's no problem with that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So she's, I mean, she has this cover of bring me the horizon out that has like 600,000 views or something. And I saw that and I was like, mm-hmm. this is a huge marketing boost right here. Like this, even though this band isn't developed right now, mm-hmm. the fact that they have this drummer and they have so mm-hmm. many, so many fans already, and they haven't even done anything really yeah. like it That's was unique. It is. And they're, they're no, the rest of the band's no slouch either. I mean, uh, you know, listening to them, uh, time signature changes, everything was clean. I mean, you know, they, they definitely, uh, I think you make a good point that, that they look like it's a potential that you could get into. I think is what you're getting at to so, make even bigger. Mike, I, I kind of have a fun question for you, uh, for the people listening. So, um, all right. So obviously, <laughs> I mean, you do metal. So what's, what's a, um, do you listen to any other kind of music that would kind of like surprise people? Like, do you listen to country? Do, what do you get inspiration from? <laughs> Absolutely. I listen to a lot of different music. Obviously my favorite is the metalcore, but that was a lot more when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, believe it or not, I think the second most listened to music genre I listen to is kind of like classical soundtrack orchestral type music. Interesting. That's mm. really I love interesting. It. What do you get out of that? 
Um, I, I just get a lot of inspiration from it, and I just I really like orchestras. I like everything about them, and some of these soundtracks to some of these movies. I, it just puts me in a in a different zone, I guess you could say. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to explain it. I feel like I'm in a dream or something when I'm listening to it. It really relaxes me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, music. Um, it, it's really powerful, man. Like I personally can't live without music, you know. Um, but uh, I totally feel you on the whole music uh, movie soundtracks. Um. So uh, that that's really interesting though. So so classical and like orchestras, like wow. Hmm. Yeah, that uh do you have a favorite composer? Just out of curiosity. I, I don't know if you like memorize them, but like Hans Zimmer or Hans Zimmer's awesome. He did Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, he so is. if I had to choose one, I would go with him. Yeah, he's like yeah. the modern day dude to go with him and uh who's that other guy? Danny Elfman. I love Danny Elfman, dude. The first yeah. Batman movie. <laughs> Is that what he did? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. good stuff. He's done Dark. a lot of stuff, actually, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the two of them, they're the go-to guys. Honestly, for me, you know, my favorite being a movie guy myself, uh, we're both, Dave and I, big, big movie guys. I'm a huge Kubrick fan. So 2001 A Space Odyssey was and probably will for always be my top movie pretty much ever uh, because it was all really, really uh, about nonverbal storytelling. But um the uh the way he synced the soundtrack of the movie to the movie itself i don't know if you ever watched it but it was basically a masterclass of cinema in my eyes have you ever seen uh, 2001 i haven't personally no but i'll definitely check it out you should cuz yes. there's a lot of great choreography and kinda, uh, <laughs> i think kinda. the dude not to sorry not to interrupt the uh interesting fact number 107 the the uh, lead singer of architects when he was making his last album watch 2001 the space odyssey i think like twice a day every day for like the entire duration of their recording wow just just saying that's that and it's like a 3 hour film so <laughs> but uh mike i'm on the same page as you man hans zimmer uh the nolan batman trilogy uh, that was some great stuff, and he also did he did the Superman soundtrack, I believe, in, in Inception with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh yeah, and uh, he does some awesome music. Did he do Interstellar? Uh, I think he did. Get the Google. <clears throat> Pull out the Google. So, yeah. <laughs> so Mike, um, and, and okay, <laughs> I was gonna go somewhere else, but I go I'll go here first. So, um, what's your? Are you into? music or like the industry like is it strictly a passion thing do, or do you have dreams of is it like a is a, a financial thing do you want to be what was your main motivation with this like just to create awesome music or did you want to be rich and famous um well the, the first motivation was the passion absolutely because i just looked at these singers and they're just i just wanted to be like them you know up, up on stage getting everybody pumped up it just it was just something that i wanted to get into mm-hmm. but if you want a passion to become your life, you have to think about the financials a little bit. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I would like our band to take off to high financial levels. I mean, who <laughs> wouldn't? Um, as far as the fame goes, here's the thing about fame is when you think about fame, um, you kind of it's kind of like an arrogant word. Like, oh, you want to be famous or whatever. Mm-hmm. But for musicians, and I'm sure in a lot of other type of things, the more level of in quotes, fame that you achieve, the more exposure your music gets. And that's the point of being a musician is, is just spreading, spreading your music and making people happy. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. spreading that's, that's the ultimate goal, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. 
Now, for, I, I know I'm asking a lot of questions, Don. You probably have some also. Uh, no, I don't shoot know, away. I don't know how much time you have left, Mike. But uh, so the the rush on stage can can you describe that for people who are not singers and and have never experienced like a bunch of people in front of them and jive into to your music? Like that's what is a that, good question. What dude. does that feel like? Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome, man. Especially in the metal industry because everybody just goes crazy. So. <laughs> I, it, you just get like a natural high and you're just up there and uh it, it's almost good to be doing screaming music because you just you just scream you know you just get everybody pumped up sometimes i don't have to worry about finesse i mean a lot of our songs i do but mm-hmm. but during the heavy parts man it's just just go all in nobody even cares what's coming out of my mouth they're just going <laughs> crazy but isn't that isn't that kind of the allure of of a live metal show too is it's all emotion most of it i mean it's just raw energy mm-hmm. oh my gosh yes it is you know i i, I hate I hate how the metal industry just gets such a negative uh, view from the public because it's mm-hmm. like, I don't even look like a metal guy. Like I just, I'm a normal guy. I mean, I played golf was my goal before metal. Like you would never correlate the two. Mm-hmm. Um, Small and, transition. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it makes me so happy. Like people, people like to judge this music, but without mm-hmm. actually looking into the lyrics and giving it time to kind of sink in a little bit. Yeah. I think the general public uh, views metal as, I, I love metal. I love all kinds of music, but um, I think they view it as, uh, you know, violent, like super aggressive and anybody into metal, like wants to punch people in the face. Like, you <laughs> yeah. Know? And it's, it's all like baby entrails and Satan. And that's actually, babies. That, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. something that really <laughs> irritates me because a lot of people will hear my music playing. Because I listen to music all the time, 24-7 in the house. I don't ever have the TV playing. I only ever have music playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, God, this is that kill your mother, worship Satan music. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and it's so hard. I get so infuriated. Now, granted, <laughs> the older I get, the more, the more calm I get. But a lot of the music in metal, and maybe this might be a surprise to some of our listeners, is actually about coming together. It's about overcoming differences. It's, it's about, you know, uh, cherishing one another. And that's, that's something that I feel that the outside world, the mainstream world, especially just never gets to, they just never understand. Mm-hmm. I, I think, um, Judging, you know, um, assuming and judging by the, the outside, you know, without really understanding what's going on is just like ignorant. Um, one of my favorite artists is, uh, is Henry Rollins. And, and if you listen to his music, you think he's just like some crazy, you know, Neanderthal kind of guy. And he's super articulate and like really intelligent. And, uh, so is it, is it frustrating, Mike, when you deal with people who, who just kind of judge metal and like its listeners and they kind of put a label on it? You know, it used to be very frustrating to me, especially because when I first started, I was putting in a lot of hard work. When, when I was doing my solo project, I think I logged like over 500 hours with one song mm-hmm. because I was trying, I was trying to get it together and I, I didn't really know what I was doing. But then to not be able to show that to, well, to when I show it to people, they automatically just don't want to listen to it or whatever. That, that became very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, boy, if I was only making like just lame, I don't even know. Like, give, give me, give me a main singer like a like Adele. I kept wanting to say Nickelback. Adelaide, but that's, yeah, Nickelback. Yeah, dude. Yeah. But to be honest, I'm probably gonna get some hate on this. I don't think Nickelback is that bad. They have I some do. stuff. Okay, Don. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I knew that was coming. I have no compassion. <laughs> um, I, I'm pretty uh, lenient. You know, uh, I'm not a fan of country, but I can still appreciate some aspects of country. But uh, I pretty much flow with anything. That's just me. I don't, I don't know. For me, and I don't know if it's the same way for you, Mike, but when you listen to music, especially for me, I need to hear progression. 
Is it the same for you? Like, I need to hear time signatures. I need to hear more than one octave and one chorus that's repeated 15 times in a minute and a half. Yeah, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. And metal music just has so much of that in it. That's why I wish more people would would give it time to sink in. I have a lot of friends that didn't like it, but I just kept making them listen to it over the years, and now they're huge fans. Um, yeah, <laughs> Clockwork but, Orange style. You just tape their eyes open. You're going to yeah. like this, damn it. <laughs> But I also think it's important that because um, the metal community gets so much um, negative talk thrown at us, I also think it's very important that we don't give it back to some of these other genres as well because that just really hurts the metal community even more. If somebody comes up to me and says, oh, you do that crazy screaming, non-skill, uh, devil-worshipping stuff, mm-hmm. and I go, well, you're listening to the banjo, redneck, fishing music where they talk about drinking a beer in every song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just brings even more negativity, too. So I, I'm mm-hmm. trying to be nowadays, I'm trying to be very open and appreciative. If someone likes something, good for mm-hmm. them. Enjoy. That's, dude, more more power to you. That's hard to do. The, yeah. in my, from my experience, it's hard to do because when you come from, I, I have a slight obsession with, uh, with classical music, symphony number no. nine and D minor, or a lot of prog metal. You know, you're talking animals as leaders, uh, protest the hero, things that the general public, I just don't think grab onto. And it's very hard to keep, uh, to bite your tongue when, when they say, Oh, well, you know, little Wayne, that's the greatest musician ever. He even plays guitar. And for you to be like, that's a great, I can honor that opinion. More power to you, Mike, because I have a hard time keeping (laughs) my ass shut with that. (laughs) Dude, but I think that people. I can't do it. (laughs) Okay, you brought up like the whole Little Wayne thing. Not to like bash him, but I saw this um, video of him on YouTube, like trying to play like acoustic guitar or something like that. And it was, it was absolutely horrendous. (laughs) And I think the only people who would say he knows how to play is like really young kids that don't know any better. Like, no, even adults don't know better. Adults buy his records or whatever they do now. Download music. Sorry, (laughs) (laughs) dude. I wouldn't call them adults. That's uh... (laughs) a. I ran into a fifty-year-old lady who worked at our place of employment who goes, "I really like Little Wayne. I know he cusses a lot, but I don't know. I just like him." (laughs) 50 years old, man, or at least older than that. That's <laughs> so, a classic. So it's one of those things where it's like, well, phew, man, you know, like I, it's at work, so I got to keep my mouth shut. But uh, you know what I find cool also? That's um, tough. Kind of changing a subject. Uh, it, Mike, when you're explaining it, you have to really work at your voice. And, and I'm going to admit this and just be 100% honest. I didn't realize that, you know, um, and I'm not trying to offend you or anything, Mike, but I didn't realize it, it was like so much work to like attain like a, a raspy or a good metal voice like that. You know, um, I just learned something today. Like you, you have to really work on that, huh? Yeah, you absolutely do that. That it's it's crazy. I mean, it almost took me longer to develop the the raspier, screamy voice that I do than it took me to actually start learning to scream. I mean, we're talking literally a couple of years before I was able to consistently get out anything that was acceptable to the public. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's wow, really interesting. So I I learned something today. You just yeah. enlightened me. <laughs> And that's, uh, that's gotta be tough too. Cause it's not like when you sing, cause you can sing and you can scream, but then you do these kind of like, um, uh, I don't know what you go. It's like fry singing where you add like a kind of scream to the sing. Is that something where, where that comes natural or is that like you're, you're trying to make like a trademark for your own voice? Do you know what I'm talking about? I actually do know what you're talking about. Um, well, I started off learning to scream at, at first. My goal was I want to be a screamer in a band and, 
Um, I couldn't really sing that good, but from, from the scream, I kind of turned it, kind of mixed it with, with singing. And I was like, you know what, this voice actually might, might be something that people might want to listen to. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started to develop that type of voice. That's uh that had to have been difficult. So Mike, um, what's, what's, um, a vocalist from another band that, um, I, not who you're trying to copy, like somebody who inspires you or like someone who you think has an awesome metal voice. Um, I might get some hate for this, but Danny Warsnop from the band asking Alexandria, well, this. okay, see, there, there, there it is. There's the hate. <laughs> now, now listen, because I, I liked him so much. I, I don't even listen to their stuff anymore, but the amount of, um, different things that he could do, um, he could sing, he could scream, he could do low screams, he could do high screams. And then as he started to progress, he started doing like this more rocky, um, Errol Smith type voice that it just really inspired me just his progression, whether or not I listened to the music or not, just what he went through and how he achieved what he achieved really was inspiring to me. Now that's interesting because, uh, obviously that was me screeching. Um, <laughs> uh, the older stuff, I just had a, I just had a revisit, uh, with their first major release album. Um, I, was it stand up and scream? Yep. It was. Yeah. And it was uh change the channel. The last episode, I think that's the name of the song. Um, where basically the whole song is him screaming, Oh my God. But, uh, you know, it was really good when he first came on the scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can totally get where you would, uh, where you would use that for inspiration. Cause I might sneer at it now, but I did, uh, listen to it and I obviously still have it, but I think it was after their second album or so where it just kind of be, you know, trailed off for me. He went into some other stuff where I don't think it just matched what the band was going for. And I think that's where a lot of people get the hate on him now. Cause when they first came on the scene, it was a bit different. They were one of the first ones, to, at least here in America, mixing a bit of electronica with it, uh, where it wasn't like over the top, like a lot of bands in Europe. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could see where you get a lot of that from. I completely understand uh, what you're saying. Absolutely. He just, uh, I mean, the guy could, can do so many different things. Um, it just really, really inspired me. There's so many vocalists out there in, in the metal community, like that will just do one type of scream. Mm -hmm. The whole song, that's all they do. Or they have a set singer and they have a set whatever, but Danny Warsnop did it all. Yeah. And wh whether people liked it or not, he did it all and he became extremely successful. So I, I will say I am getting annoyed with the new music coming out, uh, because it is just, we need to have one really high pitched singer and one <laughs> like growling singer. And then it's just, and it's like, we're going to be heavy. We're going to be light. And then it's just like poppy. And I don't know like what they're going for. It just, it doesn't, it's like they took something that had really good quality. And then they just applied mainstream tactics to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it ab absolutely does. Um, as I kept singing over the years, I, I mean, it's really important to stick with things because you're going to amaze yourself what you're capable of. As I kept singing, I started um, developing new types of voices that I never thought I had. And in that song that you quoted the lyrics from, um, most of the song is like a really light um, singing, like Bring Me the Horizon's new record. And I never thought that I would ever be able to do light, like more beautiful, controlled singing like that. Um, but as the years keep going on, you know, I just keep realizing, like, as I try these new things, maybe I'm not good for the first year or two. But mm -hmm. it's truly amazing what you can really accomplish when you really stick with it. And you just recently actually covered a lighter song. And I don't know what it is because I'm not really a big fan of it. But uh, what was the one that you just released that was an all singing? I think that was I'll Be by Edwin McCain. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. have to sing that for a wedding, so I figured I would cover it to see if the the guy, well, one of my good friends, see if he even liked me doing it at all. It was, it was a little scary. 
<laughs> did you get the part? Did you did you do the wedding? Yeah, I'm doing it later this year. So after I get back from um, our show in Hong Kong in the summer, I have to really start practicing that because I'm not I'm not really geared right now or meant to sing light acoustic stuff in, in mm-hmm. front of a crowd. That's mm-hmm. that's expecting beautiful stuff you know i'm supposed to be getting up there going let's go mother you know what i'm yeah. saying so <laughs> i have some work to do so yeah um, go sorry ahead. go ahead dave no i had a couple of uh questions for mike they're they're kind of uh lighthearted fun mike uh have you adjusted okay was it a big adjustment to like the culture like being overseas and like the food <laughs> oh dude i was so i was so like I, I like to think that I'm not like a nervous guy, like I can handle anything, but uh-huh. there was actually a time before when I was getting ready to go meet the band for the first time. Yeah. There was, there was a part of me that wanted to say, um, screw it. <laughs> I'm not going to schedule this plane ticket. Mm-hmm. I'm just finishing up my college degree. Mm-hmm. I can just take a safe, easy route. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen. Yep. And you know, I, but then I thought in my head, I was like, I'm going to regret this forever. So I went over mm-hmm. to Thailand and experienced the culture. It was a shock. It was mm-hmm. crazy. I didn't know if my bandmates were going to be able to understand me. Mm-hmm. And, but I said, screw it. I'll go for it. It's not like I'm going to die. At least I didn't think I was going to yeah, die. Yeah. <laughs> I learned from it. And it was, it's experiences that I'll never forget. Dude, that takes extreme guts. You know, um, I'm not a fan of flying, but, uh, just in general, man, taking a plunge like that, that's amazing. And it, it I mean, it definitely seems like it's paying off for you. Um, the other question I had for you was, um, and you don't have to get into too much detail or drop names or anything like that, but have you experienced um, people who are like were kind of not in your corner and then when they notice that you're reaching some level of fame and success that they're kind of coming around and trying to hop on board now? Traitors. Traitors. It, it it happens a lot, man. And I mean, you guys are making me seem like I'm freaking Errol Smith or something like <laughs> to clear things up. Like I am by all means, I'm not a rock star right now. I mean, our mm-hmm. band's got so far to go still. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've achieved things that um, is an extremely low percentile that people are able to get to that level. But mm-hmm. I still have so far to go. Mm-hmm. So I'll, let me just say that first. But second of all, um, you know, there's a lot of people that um, – they they message me and they they all want me to share their stuff and mm-hmm. it it just get it gets so annoying to me because mm-hmm. I want to be nice to everybody but it seems like a lot of people are trying to use my success or my band's success on their page as a platform and you know what I didn't even ask you know how many times I've asked people to share my stuff since I started zero mm-hmm. I don't even ask my friends to share my stuff mm-hmm. it, it comes with time you put the work in you mm-hmm. can't be reaching out for people to to mm-hmm. to create success for you you have to do it on your own mm-hmm. it, that's funny you say that man I, I 100% agree with that um I you listen I listen to Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan experience, and and Joe Rogan has a similar stance on that. He has like a bunch of like comics trying to hop on board and trying to get him to like plug stuff. And uh, Joe's attitude is like, he's like, dude, like if you're if you're talented and you got something going and you put hard work, it's gonna happen anyway. And he just he, he's he has the same stance as you and and I kind of like you know figure it out and do it on your own. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just um. I can only imagine, though, uh, how many people like attack you, you know, and and you're really modest about like your attention. Um, you got you got you got a fan base, man. It's I think it's pretty big. Um, you know what? It's uh, um over in Thailand. It's starting to, to starting to get pretty big because um I don't want to use 
I don't want to sound racist or anything, but I'm I'm the white guy of the band. And <laughs> That's it. It's racist. We're shutting down. <laughs> yeah, we have to close the show off, delete it out. Um, and the drummer is a is a girl. So y- mm-hmm. you got me as a white singer of a Thai band with a girl drummer in the metal community. Mm-hmm. We could be playing out of our freaking garage, just bullshit yeah. and music, yeah. and people want to see what it's all about. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of cool over there. I, I did I did a cover in Thai actually. Um, a couple months ago, I, I took a leap and decided to sing a song in Thai. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I do not know Thai, but I memorized the song. <laughs> and, oh, my God, after two days, it had like 72,000 views or something. I was wow. like in shock. I was, gonna, I was, cool, I was, I was Not to interrupt, but I was going to say, I watched that Thai video, and I'm pretty sure it's one of your, your guys' highest hit videos in terms of views. Yeah, I think it's coming up in the four hundred thousands or something, which, which is a huge deal for me and for our band's exposure. So mm-hmm. that's that's massive. But do uh, you find do you find ahead, sorry sorry Dave do you find any difference from now that you're signed with a band just to be signed like you said before to be signed to a band is a big deal. There's a lot of good bands out there who never even get that opportunity. Is there anything that you found that was you thought because we have all these ideas of what it must be like to be a big sponsored show with people knocking on our door um, and and whatnot. Do you find that there's any differences from what you actually thought it would be like to what it is now? Like any false truths or something like, oh, it must be this or it must be that or something you didn't ever expect now that you're signed. You're like, wow, I was way wrong. Well, let, let me let me clear things up here. Invoice Versa is its own agent. It's not signed to a record company at the moment. Um, we have gotten offers from from things, that, but we feel like we can rise above that. We have mm-hmm. we've achieved so much on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and record companies nowadays, um, they they bring small bands and they make them huge. But if you're getting a lot of exposure on your own, mm-hmm. you know you can. There's ways that you can do it on your own and bring in a lot more financials for your band and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So we, and vice versa is not signed. I'm not sure if you're speaking of it in that way. Um, or you, you're speaking you, of me being assigned to the band itself. Well, I mean, it, honestly, it looks so professional. I thought it was signed to a band. <laughs> I just made the assumption. Um, so no, that's interesting. That's something I didn't even know. I was talking about the, the band itself because you guys are putting out EPs. You guys are, you know, you have music videos you're shooting. I mean, it's every sign that a, that a normal, signed band would have do you know what i mean it 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 looks it looks the part no i absolutely do and you know what my whole band we all are 26 27 28 in that in that age Mm -hmm. um range so we're not we're not playing around right now we don't have 10 years to develop a garage band and Mm -hmm. and and do all that stuff so we we decided as long as we sound like we feel like we're good enough Mm -hmm. These first couple songs and everything we do is going to be at the highest professional level possible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, since we've gained some exposure in Thailand, we are um, starting to get people that will, will help pay for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the show we're going to play in Hong Kong, I barely have to pay any money out of pocket. So it's, it's mm-hmm. basically like a free vacation to Hong Kong. But that's awesome. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty sweet, though. Like I said, you know, when you guys are putting out the videos and stuff, I automatically assume that you were signed to a label, especially with the release of an album. How hard is that stuff to do, though, outside of being signed by a record label? Because I, I know that, that, that being signed to a record label can produce a lot of negative emotions towards the record label, so to speak, you know. Um, but you guys are doing it on your own. Does that make it more difficult or actually easier? Yes, it's it's much more difficult because, um, you know, we are in the process of right now of kind of – trying to reach out to some labels um sumerian records actually liked one of our pictures on instagram one time which we thought was such a huge deal that um, is 
because why would they like a picture? I mean, obviously that's a controlled social media page. They can't just, but we're reaching out because we want to expand out of Thailand. Um, it, and it's very hard for us to do that when, when we're stuck in Thailand at the moment. So, or we're stuck in Asia. So now here's a, a good question. I don't mean to hog the mic here, Dave, but Sumerian has a, has a very, uh, how do I put this? They have a reputation and it's called Sumerian Core, and I'm sure you've heard of it, where mm-hmm. they, they take a band that has a unique sound, whatever the case is, <laughs> and they usually tune it to be a certain way that's very similar across all bands. Now, would it be a, a thing, a turnoff for you if a, if a record label said, we want to sign you guys, but we need it to be X, X, and X, which isn't what you're about? Yes, it absolutely would be. Um, I think part of, part of that, uh, what you just talked about, is kind of being blown up maybe a little bit out of proportion. Um, yes, record labels, and many of them, Sumerian's known to do it. They have a big say in what they're doing with you. Um, so it's up to you at what sacrifices you want to take for it. You know, if, if Sumerian's offering um, to pay for everything that your band does, but they want to say in the final product, you know, maybe you want to do that. Maybe you're open to other people putting their opinion towards the music. Um, but you hear of a lot of stories of bands leaving record labels because of that stuff. And I think we could find a happy medium in between there as long as we met the record label people mm-hmm. and you know, see who we're working with because I, I value other people's opinions. Um, mm-hmm. When you learn, when you become part of a group, you have to understand that your opinion is not going to be liked by everybody at all times, and you have to put trust in other people. So mm-hmm. I'm starting to do that a little bit more. That's that's interesting, man. Uh, Don and I were having a um, a, a conversation on, on um, this theme with like sponsorship on the podcast and how things would change. Um, and I'm not a fan of being censored, man. I'm just like you know, if something comes on a table and it's like a, a big deal or whatever, um, I can't say I will fully agree if they don't want us to. If they want to change like the the content and the theme, and I don't know if I will fully you know be cool with that and um, probably like wait things out. Um, but Don, what was your stance on that? You were like, it depends how much, uh, how much money's on the table. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it would kind of be tough because the conversation we were having is, you know, you, you throw out hypotheticals because Dave and I, I think we're just honestly in some parts, even though I'm more into hard work, I think we we're kind of born to podcast. We sit at work and we discuss this stuff. And, and one of the questions was at work was, well, what if somebody comes, like, let's say a company, let's say Adidas comes to us and says, we want to sponsor your show. And I think this is what you're hitting on. I hope I'm not veering off here. Uh, but Adidas wants to sponsor, uh, wants to sponsor, uh, Funny Blunt Truth. And they're willing to pay us, let's say, $200,000 a year for three years. But we're no longer able to say, you know, cuss words, Drop fuck, whatever the case is. <laughs> right. Uh, would you still do it? I'd be like, count me out. So would that be for you, Dave? That would be the absolute no. If um, they said any censorship, you wouldn't do it, even though it means you could escape the nine to five. And, and potentially, once the contract's done, go back to the way you want it. In, in all honesty, um, it really depends. It's kind of like what Mike said. Um, it depends how much is like censored. And, um, you know, I'm really passionate about like the podcast and, uh, you know, getting our opinions out there and, and putting like thought provoking content and having awesome guests like Mike. Um, so it really kind of depends, um, you know, what, how much would be altered, but you know, I'm just, a, I'm, I'm a fan of free speech, man. and letting things flow. So I yeah, me know. too. It would be a tough, I, I still, we discussed this question, I think two weeks ago and I still haven't made up my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things because I'm, I'm completely, I'm the guy that says there should be anything on TV 
they whatever they want to put on there, you know, if they if they want to put on comedy, cussing, if they want to put on violence, whatever the case is, I think censorship should be done in your own house, not by the TV, not by the FCC. So I would hate to be censored, but you do kind of, excuse me, get that uh, that issue of of living and working the nine to five doing this as a hobby versus, you know, doing it professionally. But, yeah, that's such a tough question to answer until that happens. I wouldn't I wouldn't even know how to go. On I've it. been censoring myself this whole show. I didn't I didn't know that. Oh, no, you can say anything oh, you want. Dude, you can you can <laughs> yeah. say whatever you want, man. Titties. No, I would. <laughs> Titties. I wouldn't really talk much differently, but, you know, I drop enough <laughs> here and there that my family doesn't like hearing in the music and stuff. But, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, totally we're, cool. Um, we're big uncensored people. <laughs> so we're we're creeping up on an hour now. Uh, I don't know how much time you have left, Mike. But uh, if if there's anything you want to say, uh, plug anything and and a message for any fans out there or or potential um, fans. Absolutely. Um, you know, as far as following your dreams, man. There's this, there's this one quote that I've been following my whole life. It's called. It says, "People are rewarded in public for what they practice for years in private." And, um, what most people forget in this world is most of the people that you see doing these successful things, obviously there's some people that were, were born with a lot of money and they had it easier, but more often these people that are doing things that you wish you were doing, um, spent many, many years in private, um, getting no exposure, getting no support at all. There's a lot of sacrifices you have to make. I'm 27 years old. I'm in my mother's basement right now speaking to you guys. I, I'm living with my mom. Uh, I don't have a lot of freedom. Um, and I have a college degree that I didn't use. Um, there's a lot of sacrifices that come with this stuff. So I just want to encourage people to um, understand that. And your, your time in private is you're growing and it's going to come. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, <laughs> Anything for you, Dave? That's some pretty powerful stuff. Man. Yeah. I mean, he ends um, the show way better than we do. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, uh, I, I 100% agree with what Mike said. And, and, and Mike, I, I, uh, I wish you like all the success in the world, man. And, uh, you know, thanks for being on the show. And, uh, we're going to follow you, man. Follow your career. And, and again, man, I hope you make it to the top. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to add that on too. Big thank you to Mike Lawler for joining us. Uh, from the band in vice versa, you can find their information on Facebook and, uh, and, uh, YouTube, uh, Instagram. And uh, I'm pretty sure you guys are probably on Twitter as well. I would imagine, um, uh, for us, we're going to put the links, uh, if you're interested in any of their music in the description below on podomatic.com. Uh, if you have any questions, you want to know where to find them, you, any shows you guys want to see in the future, hit us up uh, at Gmail. It's uh funny, blunt truth podcast at gmail.com. Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Funny Blunt Truth. Um, for Mike Lawler, Dave, and myself, Don, this has been episode 12 of Funny Blunt Truth. We'll see you guys on the next one. Mm-hmm.